like to welcome everybody here to uh, DBI's Meet the Pros. There's a lot of things going on. We're just a small part of it with the fire department doing the uh, fire alarm portion of it. And uh, as far as getting permits and stuff, there's a ton of other uh, venues, and we invite you to go to all those. There's some very knowledgeable people talking. Uh, we have structural engineers talking about earthquake stuff and uh, inspectors talking about how to get, how to get a permit and uh, a lot of different issues. So take a look at your brochures and uh, go through them, and I think you might find some other stuff that's interesting. I see a lot of familiar faces out here, and it's uh, the usual cast of characters, I guess. Uh, let's start off by I'd like to introduce... Uh, first off, on my far left is our newest engineer for the fire department, Sagib Y. Ishai. Y. Ishai. He's a very intelligent man. He's been uh, he's already a engineer, and he's been working in the field for a number of years, and went to the University of Maryland. And then next to him is Lieutenant Don Fields, who's probably been our main fire alarm guy uh, for the fire department for about the last three or four years. And just looking around this crowd, I think 90% of you guys already know him. Um, without further ado, let's, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be kind of informal, and I'm going to run through these slides. There's uh, some changes in NFPA 72. There's also some changes in our amendments, and then there's some changes in the California Building Code that will actually go into effect in 2007. Uh, I don't have enough slides here to last me a whole hour, so if you have questions, just raise your hand and we'll answer them right then. I think whenever I go to these things and it's at the end, you forget your questions and they never get answered. So I don't mind you just uh, raising your hand and we can we can answer your question uh, as soon as possible. Uh, I'd like to start off by thanking uh, Kevin Green and Bill Hoppel. Uh, they gave similar uh, presentations to this, and, I, and they gave me uh, all their information, and I stole it, and they gave me the right to plagiarize it, and, and I did. So I'd like to thank them. Uh, about so if you've been to their presentation, you've probably seen a third or a quarter or, or a half of this presentation already. Uh, let's start off by talking about NFPA uh, 72, or actually all the, NF, two, all the 2002 NFPA standards now are going to start off with three chapters. The first chapter is going to be administrative. The second chapter is reference publication. Those two chapters will be about two pages each, or two pages total. So on, and if you open up NFPA 13, you open up NFPA 2001, whatever, the, those three chapters are going to be the first three chapters in every single one. And the third chapter will always be definitions, and that will vary depending on how many definitions that, uh, that standard requires. As far as NFPA 72 goes, the 2002, because those three chapters were added, everything just got bumped back three chapters. So in other words, the fundamentals used to be Chapter 1. It's now Chapter 4. Uh, if you're used to looking up you know, where the notification devices were, in Chapter 4, it's now in Chapter 7. So it's not as if they changed everything all around. They just bumped everything back three chapters. Uh, this is an interpretation. I think uh, hopefully we in San Francisco have been doing this, this all along. It, uh, what it basically says is that NFPA 72 is not where we get the requirements. All right, The requirements are, are, are derived from the California Building Code and the California Fire Code. And the reason we put this in here is that you can open NFPA 72, and it'll tell you, if you look under pool stations, it'll say 
at uh, every exit on every floor. So you need two on every, you know, on, on larger buildings, you would need two on every floor because you have two exits uh, on the second floor and two on the first floor and two on the third floor. Well, obviously, if the building doesn't require a fire alarm system, you don't need to put any in, right? Or if there's exceptions to it, right? So NFPA 72 is telling you you need to put them, but only if they're required somewhere else. That requirement is from the California Building Code or the California Fire Code. I believe we've been doing that in San Francisco all along. If, uh, if we're not, please let me know because that would be uh, a travesty. Uh, voluntary systems, these come in all the time. And uh, voluntary systems are basically non-required non systems, systems that the building code or fire code does not require. When you do a voluntary system, you have to put it in to code. But what, you ha what the option you have is you get to state exactly what you want to do. And that is the most difficult part. So when you bring in your plan, you have to state your scope of work plainly. And what I mean by that is if you have an office building that does not require a fire alarm because it's not big enough, it's not a high rise, you have to say, I'm just going to provide uh, notification and a fire alarm system for the second floor. So in other words, all you're going to do is put pool stations on the second floor and you're going to put notification devices on the second floor. That means your pool station will have to be the code. You'll have to put one at every exit and your notification, you just can't come in and put one bill and then walk away. No, the notification has to be to code. So in other words, you would have to put horn strobes or whatever else that, that, would, be re that would be required. But it does not mean that now you have to put it in the third floor and the first floor and all that stuff as well. Uh, the problem you come into sometimes with these kind of systems is that you can only have one panel per building. So in other words, if you're putting one in the second floor, we're still going to ask that the panel and the enunciator still goes down on the first floor in the lobby and that uh, anybody else will have to be able to hook up to your panel. So what we don't want to do is have somebody with one on the second floor, one with somebody on the uh, restaurant on the first floor, and another one on the fourth floor, and the third floor doesn't have anything. All right? So, that, I mean, that, that uh, we, we can't go along with that. But the basic, the basic problem when you come in is you have to state your scope of work plainly. What we see a lot of times is people will come in for a restaurant on the first floor, and they'll just say provide fire alarm system. And that, that doesn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? That does, you know, uh, you have to say, you know, our first question should be, is there a fire alarm already in the building? You know, who are you providing the fire alarm for? All right. So if you're not doing the entire building to, to, that's required, you, you need to state that. Uh, survivability, they made one change, but I'm going to go through others, uh, a couple of other things. A couple of other things just to reiterate them. Survivability is only required in partial evacuation or relocation buildings. So these survivability requirements that I'm going to go through in just a second are only required if you're not evacuating the entire building. So we're talking high rise or we're talking about one of those podium buildings where maybe, you know, certain pods are not, uh, not going to be evacuated. And it makes sense. All circuits necessary for the operation of notification devices until they enter the evacuation zone they serve must either use two-hour rated cable, two-hour rated enclosure, or an AHJ-approved method. Right now, uh, in the past, we have, we have approved Class A circuitry. We, can, we consider that to, be, uh, that to be equivalent. The problem people have here is... Uh, where we usually see the problems on these large projects is they have a two-hour shaft where they run the cable up or they, uh, you know, stacked electrical rooms or whatever, 
and then they have their fire control room over to, to the side. So now what they have to do is somehow this two-hour rating has to be from the control panel to that two-hour shaft. So in other words, you need to either put two-hour cable or, or figure out some wiring method or enclose it into our construction um, whenever you do it. Another problem sometimes is on the larger floor plates, they'll have multiple um, uh, extender panels, power supplies, and if they're not right in that two-hour shaft, you need, you need to run it from that two-hour shaft to over to the power supplies. Doesn't happen very often, but sometimes we have seen that on occasion. And this is the reason this slide is in here. NFPA deleted the exception for using a two-hour stair enclosure. And um, basically, the building, uh, the building code uh, forbids it. You're not supposed to have anything in that stair enclosure that's not for the use of that stair enclosure. It does not forbid uh, fire alarms specifically, but it, uh, it says any, you know, the only things you can put in stair enclosures, that's, that's probably the most important thing uh, when it comes to life safety in a building is that people can get out. And it, it certainly, because it runs from top to bottom, everybody wants to put everything in there. Uh, including the fire alarm systems and spring, you know, uh, and that sort of thing. But, uh, and that was in the code, and I know we got questions from people all along, but it says right, so right here in NFPA 72 that you can do it. But uh, in this case, uh, they finally took that, they, or they taken it out this time so that you, uh, you, don't ha you don't get to ask the question anymore. Enunciation and enunciation panels. Uh, we actually had a bulletin on this before, uh, but this clarifies it for us. And basically, this, what this is saying is that you cannot hold, hide your panels down in the third floor base, basement underneath in some elect, stray electrical room down there. We want the enunciator panels where we can see them. What you have to understand is, is that the fire department runs, you know, they come to the building and they get out of their engines and they want to know where they're going or, or uh, where the incident is and they can't be uh, running, running around the building, you know, Checking it out. We need to find the enunciator panel, and we need to be able to uh, we need to be able to go exactly where we need to go. Which brings us to LED panels. And LED panels. I think this is a San Francisco only. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any other jurisdiction requires uh, requires LED panels. And our thinking is is that uh, you know we have a lot of buildings that are close together, and what we want to do is when when we get to the building. Our theory is, is that within 15 or 20 seconds, the average firefighter can go out or walk into that building, see an LED panel, and know exactly what floor there is an incident and what is going on on that floor. So they are, they are not required in all buildings, but they are required if it's more than four floors. Uh, that includes the basement. So in other words, if it's four stories and one basement, it's five total floors, right? It's four stories and one basement or... Uh, three stories and two basements or any combination. Uh, certainly a five-story building would need it. We wrote, we wrote this about eight years ago, and, and we sat down and we thought, okay, when, when does a building become too big that is too hard? So in other words, we felt that the typical four-story, you know, like six-unit building was an easy one that we could run up and down that one and find it fast enough. We felt that when it got to five floors, it, was, it would take too much time. Unusually floor... Large floor areas, this is up to the discretion of the plan checker. Uh, and what we'll do is maybe do an east and a west side. So maybe if, if you have a three-story building, we might ask for it. Uh, a lot of times in San Francisco now, we're getting, uh, particularly down at Berry Street, we're getting some buildings that go the whole, the whole length of the block. 
You know what I mean? So what we'll do is on the east side and the west side, so we'll break it up first, second, third floor, east and west. Uh, it's not too difficult to do. And the unusually designed buildings, these are podium buildings where they have, uh, you'll have a podium and then you'll have multiple pods on it. And maybe, you know, the podium is only one story and then your pods are three stories of residential, like three or four residential. We're seeing a ton of these come in right now. Uh, and we would ask for an LED panel on that. What we, what we would do typical for the ground floor, we would just do, that's usually parking or something like that. And we would just say, you know, uh, by floor, by device, and then the, the pods usually just have like water flow in them. So it's a pretty simple panel, but what it'll do is when the firefighter comes in here, it'll direct them to exactly where to go. The LED panels, what must be on these LED panels? Um, each type of device by floor. So basically you need your manual pool, your area smoke detector, the elevator lobby smoke detector. And uh, this seems like all the new the new people who come in and do them, uh, don't put them on there. It's actually required. And it's not just the San Francisco only. It's actually re required in the, in, the, uh, in the fire, in the NFPA 72, I believe. And you need to put that on. And when I brought this up, I thought, I thought we were ca catching them all. I know that new people would bring them in and they would forget to do it. And I know I caught a bunch of them. I mean, all, obviously all the experienced people would know and just, just do it. And I gave this class yesterday to, uh, to my inspectors down, uh, downtown. And they said there's still a whole bunch coming in. So not only are you guys missing them, but we're missing, it, missing them as well. But elevator lobby smokes uh, have to be brought out, brought out separately. And the reason for that is that the firefighters go into the building. If we see the elevator lobby, he's got smoke in it. Hey, maybe we shouldn't even get near that elevator. It's, it's certainly time to take the stairs, you know. Uh, also, duct detectors uh, have to be brought out, heat detectors, water flow. Any auxiliary alarm. We ask that when you put, make these LED panels, you always leave four or five uh, blank spaces. It's always a good idea. Don't try to cut it down to the very last one because somebody's going to put an FM 200 system in your office building or somebody's going to put a pre-action system because they have a special computer they, would, you know, they don't want water on or the classic is the hood and duct system on the first floor. And so if you're, if you're using all 16 of your 16 uh, points then somebody puts another one in there now all of a sudden you might end up having to change out a panel. So we always ask that, you know, obviously we can't force you, you know, if you come in with 16 and that's, you know, that covers everything you have at that time, we have to approve it. But, it, you know, think of the future and it's always nice to have a little extra space. Uh, in your larger buildings, you need to have your fire, fire pump and generator points on there. Um, you can ask me separately if you want to know what those points are because there's, there's a bunch of them depending on what kind of fire pump you have and all that. Batteries, here's something that's come up. It's a little bit different. Uh, the month and year of manufacturing have to be put on on the batteries. Maybe field applied or factory embedded. We will no longer go with uh, the factory secret code so that you have to carry the book in your back pocket so that you know what uh, the battery manufacturer, when he, uh, when he manufactured that battery. It's got to be a date. It's got to say October 2007. Uh, and this is good. This, help, this helps you guys when you're, when you're out there doing their maintenance, you know, when, you, when to replace them and stuff. They must be replaced within five years from the date of manufacture. That's, uh, that's a little bit different. It used to be four years. I guess batteries must have gotten better. Or maybe they felt that it would be easier because they're asking you to put the dates on there. It would be easier for you to figure out when the, uh, the actual battery was put into service. 
And that's in two and a half PA codes. The first two items are brought in because of the basic standard. And the last thing is the table. That's the table for the maintenance that most of you guys are probably familiar with. Secondary power. Uh, 24 hours of backup power for non-alarm conditions for all systems. This is a big change. This is uh, supervising stations no longer uh, no longer need to do the 60 minutes. Uh, 60, I'm sorry, 60 hours. Uh, you aren't all asleep. Good. Uh, right. You can do you can do the 24 hours. And uh, my guess, I haven't actually gone through it all and, and checked out exactly what supervising stations. If there's been any changes in there, but I have to think that they've tightened up on them a little bit to make it uh, to allow them to go 24 hours. And naturally, you'll need your five minutes of backup power for alarm conditions or 50 minutes. Uh, this is an old slide. 15 minutes for voice evac, uh, not just for high rise. So anything with voice, it's high rise, but it's also voice evac. Initiating devices, actuation time. Actuation of any alarm device uh, shall occur within 10 seconds, 10 seconds after activation of an initiating device. Uh, obviously, this goes like if alarm verification. If you're using the alarm, alarm verica verification, it's after the second. It's after it's been verified. But that means in 10 seconds. Basically, what uh, this is easy for you to meet at one time. At one time, this was 90 seconds. A couple of code cycles ago, it was uh, it was 90 seconds, and then it went to 20 seconds, and I think there was uh, it, it came down to uh, to 10 seconds about two years ago when they put in a rata for this. But I think it's it's just technology, and technology is uh, has come to it where where it's no problem for you guys to meet this 10 seconds. The annex explains uh, this should be. Should be obvious, but the annex explains that the fire safety functions do not, to, do not have to be completed in 10 seconds, just started. So the fan doesn't have to be completely stopped. The door does not have to be uh, completely closed. Just needs to be started on, on it, you know. I think that's pretty obvious. Pool stations. The operable part of each manual alarm box should not be less than three and a half, no more than four feet above floor level. Uh, actually, NFPA 72 on that still says three and a half to four and a half feet. Uh, but the California Building Code, Chapter 35, uh, amended that to make it four feet. And the reason they did that is is to uh, to make it the same as the ADA. There's no sense in the San Francisco Fire Department or anybody approving something at four and a half feet. It's brand new, and then two you know two months later somebody comes in and makes an ADA complaint, and you have to uh, and you have to change it. This is not retroactive, by the way. I'm not sure what ADA is, but we're not retroactive. So, that little comment on that on that chapter 35, if you guys aren't familiar with that, that's a very important section in the building code, and it uh, in the 2007 edition, it's a lot better than it was in in the previous editions. In previous editions, it seemed like it went all over the place and talked about a lot of stuff. But if you look in NFPA 72 now, in chap under chapter 35. It has oh, about 14 changes in there of, of things that it's just tweaked a little bit, but they're pretty important, and it's a good it's a good chapter for you guys to become familiar with just to look at it and see it because there's there's nothing worse than you uh, getting in a discussion with your inspector in the field or or a guy at plan check and saying saying but it says I can do 45 uh, four and a half feet in NFPA 72 and then you you know then they pull out the chapter 35 
and show you that indeed it's four feet. But there's, and we're going to cover two or three more items, but there's, like I say, there's about 10 total in there. Elevator shunt trip. This is something new that they're tight, continuing to tie it up, tighten up. Confirms heat detectors used for shunt trip must be tied to the FACP. All right. Um, we've never had a problem. I don't think we've had a problem in San Francisco, but I, they must have had a problem somewhere else in the country because they actually put this into code. We've, al we've always, uh, I, I don't know, at least on all the plans I had, it was, it was tied to the fire control panel. The annex provides for a delay so the elevator can be recalled. And this is huge. This is something we've pushed for. Uh, it's only in the annex, so it's not code. But uh, we will certainly, we can't enforce it. We can't make you put, put this time delay in there. But, uh, but if you suggest putting a time delay in there or if you want to put a time delay in there, we will certainly allow you to do it. Obviously, that time delay will have to be different depending on the size of your building. If you're doing a four-story building, it's only the time that it takes the elevator to go from the fourth floor down to the first floor. If you're working on one of these new towers and it's a 60-story building, it'll take a little bit longer, so your delay will be a little bit longer. Um, but that's a good thing because we don't want people stuck in the elevators need needlessly. This is something that the uh, fire department, it's in the San Francisco fire code. The new and existing high-rise will not require this because we're not requiring them to sprinkler the elevator machine rooms at the present time, at, at right now. So if you have, this is a change that is brand new. So in other words, if your high-rise does not have sprinklers in the, in the elevator machine room, you do not have to put them in. And every, I hope, I think everybody here knows that heat detectors are not required if sprinklers are there. Sprinklers are the driving force behind this whole heat shunt, heat, uh, this, this shunt trip thing in the first place. The basic thing is, is that sprinklers go off and they hit the elevator machinery and then it causes the elevator to run uncontrollably and they don't know where it's going to go. So they decided to put the shunt trip in. So uh, the fire marshal has decided that she's going to, and certainly in any new, new sprinkler systems going in, they will not put them into the elevator machinery. The second part, the San Francisco Fire Code is, is saying that you no longer have to put sprinkler. This is all for new construction, right? So in new construction, if you're putting a new sprinkler system in your, in your high-rise building, whether it be an existing building under a retrofit or a new building just being a new building, you will not put, you will not put sprinklers in, into the elevator machine room. Notification appliances, a couple of changes on here. Deleted the general minimum 70 dBA requirement. This is, this is a real good thing for you guys. Um, uh, but it maintains the 15 dB above the ambient requirement. What happens was is in, in office buildings, you would have uh, uh, NFPA 72 saying the ambient is 55, and in educational, it's 45. And if you had to go 15 above it, you'd end up with, you know, 60 or, or 70, which is uh, below the 75. And I believe our field inspectors sometimes would still ask for, you know, more sound. And uh, NFPA code is now considered that unnecessary that you, you can hear it if it's 15 above the, uh, above the ambient. Um, so they deleted that 70, minimum 75 dB. All right, this is one of those California amendments that's in Chapter 35. It's probably one you should know about. Uh, NFPA 72 allows the sound levels to be at 120, the maximum, and the 2007 Chapter 35 limits this to 110. Okay, so it's only 110 is the loudest your horns can be. So, uh, you know, it makes it that much harder to 
just try to put a horn in the corridor out there. Sleeping areas now require 70, 75 dB at the pillow. This is up from 70. Um, we can't say you have to put one in the in the bedrooms, but I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can make it. We've talked to the engineers and we've talked to the people in the field, and I don't know that you can. I don't know. Does anybody, does anybody feel you can? I, uh, we always ask the question, and every so often, some guy says, "Oh, I'm going to meet it," and I, I think they end up putting them in in the end. Corridor strobes. This allows you to follow either of these two sections, which are the room spacing rules and the corridor spacing rooms. What, what we had is uh, the reason I think this went in, I don't know because I didn't talk to the people who have it, is that, as you know, you can space them 100 feet apart. And you're supposed to be 15 feet from the end of the corridor. Well, a lot of people would have fancy marble or they'd have woodwork or they'd have some sort of architectural features where they didn't want to put it in that last 15 feet. Or they had an existing system in which it was 25 feet away from the end of the corridor. This is a quick fix. You just turn that 15 candela into 110 candela and you use the room method on it. You know, and, and uh, 110 candela is good for 55 by 55 or something like that. So in other words, you can be within 27 feet of the end of the corridor using that. And then you can still use your 100 feet difference in between them. It just makes it a lot easier. I know I had been doing this for years, um, but now it's, it's actually codified and it's, you know, it's, it's a common sense thing, particularly with the new strobes where you could just make them whatever you want to be. Strobe coverage, more than two strobes in any room will always require synchronization. Uh, it's actually any two rooms or space. Uh, if you can actually see into the other room, and, you know, it's obviously up to a, a certain amount of discretion. We're not going to say you're standing in the doorway and seeing, seeing three, but if it's, uh, you know, if there's a big wide archway in between the two of them or something like that, uh, this, is, this just cleans up the, the way the other code was written. Uh, the other code said if you had more than two within 80 feet or something like that, and you know nobody's bringing out their tape measures anymore. Now, if it's uh, now if it's in the same room or space, I think that's that's what the code says in room or space. This is something that's brand new. Uh, B occupancies of 500 or more occupants or more than 99 occupants on the lowest level of discharge require a manual fire alarm system. Basically, if you have more than 100 people off the first floor. Uh, office buildings are going to require fire alarms, and that's brand new. That's uh, typically speaking, you know, six-story B's never had anything or were not required to have fire alarms in there. The new modern ones all have them, but or uh, most of them, a lot of them have them, but it was never required. So this is uh, this is this is real huge. I, I think it's real big, and this one and this next one here is also. Uh, fairly controversial. These are schools, virtually any school, uh, because it's an occupant load of 50 or more, that's a pretty small school, or more than one classroom, require full coverage smoke detection. I didn't even feel comfortable writing this out there. It, it feels so controversial that I actually sent it out to about uh, four or five different people and just to confirm that my reading of the code was correct. This one also is, is, uh, is, is kind of large. Fire alarm systems required by the CBC Chapter 9 must be monitored by a supervising station, all right, which in almost everybody here in San Francisco does central station. But um, that means all these small ones, it used, you know, the, the old trigger was 100 sprinkler heads, right? And now, actually, that's been lowered to 20 sprinkler heads. But now, whether you have 
sprinklers in the building or not. So sprinklers might not even be allowed, uh, not, not required in the building. You still need to, you still need to monitor it to an outside agency. I, I think this all but kills um, local alarms. I, I, you know, I, I can't imagine except for the existing ones. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for coming. They have evaluation forms, I think, in your packets or possibly in the back of the room if you want to fill out evaluations. They're asking us to do it. But thank you all for coming. <laughs>